when we enter herein with all humility and a deeper need of understanding, we allow the Almighty Mothers to enter into this circle by the entrance of an eternal happiness, of a divine prosperity, of a perfect joy, of an abundant charity, and of an eternal salutation. Let all the demons fly from this space, especially those who are opposed unto this work. We allow the fierce openers of the way sent by the Divine Ones to assist and protect this circle, denying entry to discord and strife. Magnify and extend our capacity for revelation, O Mighty Mothers, as we walk in truth and righteousness in your most sacred names, and bless our conversation and our assembly. Sanctify, O Mothers, our humble entry herein. You, the blessed and holy ones of eternal ages. called temples were actually learning centers or universities. Archaeology would place everything under worshiping. We had great centers of learning. Every time you sit and learn things that will advance your consciousness on all levels treat it as a classroom in one of these universities we are just scattered now so we really have to study and discipline ourselves or else we're just wasting our time chapter one of Jane Roberts, The Individual and the Nature of Mass Events, The Natural Body and Its Defenses. You cannot begin to understand the nature of mass events of any kind unless you consider the greater framework in which they have their existence. A person's private experience happens in the context of his psychological and biological status and basically cannot be separated from his religious and philosophical beliefs and sentiments and his cultural environment and political framework. All of the issues form together to make a trellis of behavior. Thorns or roses may grow therein that is, the individual will grow outward toward the world, encountering and forming a practical experience, traveling outward from his center in almost vine-like fashion, forming from the fabric of physical reality a conglomeration of pleasant or aesthetic and unpleasant or prickly events. The vine of experience and this analogy is formed in quite a natural fashion from psychic elements that are as necessary to psychological experience as sun, air, and water are to plants. I do not want to get entwined in this analogy, however, but as the individual's personal experience must be seen in the light of all of these issues, so mass events cannot be understood unless they are considered in a far greater context than usual. The question of epidemics, for example, cannot be answered from a biological standpoint alone. It involves great sweeping psychological attitudes on the part of many, 
and meets the needs and desires of those involved. Needs which, in your terms, arise in a framework of religious, psychological, and cultural realities that cannot be isolated from biological results. I have thus far stayed clear of many important and vital subjects involving mass realities because first of all the importance of the individual was to be stressed and his power to form his private events. Only when the private nature of reality was emphasized sufficiently would I be ready to show how the magnification of individual reality combines and enlarges to form vast mass reactions, such as, say, the initiation of an obviously new historical and cultural period, the rise or overthrow of governments, the birth of a new religion that sweeps all others before it, mass conversions, mass murders in the form of wars, the sudden sweep of deadly epidemics, the scourge of earthquakes, floods, or other disasters, the inexplicable appearance of periods of great art or architecture or technology. What are we experiencing now? What are you witnessing now? Are you witnessing some of those mass events now? We're viewing things separately instead of as a whole. These earthquakes and floods and this mass ep epidemic did not just occur. These are a buildup of private realities affecting the mass reality on a societal level. In other words, we are reaping what we have sown on a mental level, on a spiritual level, on a physical level. I said there are no closed systems. This also means that in world terms, events spin like electrons, affecting all psychological and psychic systems as well as biological ones. An epidemic, for example, serves the purposes of each individual who is involved, while it also serves its own functions in the greater species framework. When you consider epidemics to be the result of viruses and emphasize their biological stances, then it seems that the solutions are very obvious. You learn the nature of each virus and develop an inoculation. Given each member of the populace a small dose of the disease so that a man's own body will combat it and he will be immune. The short-sightedness of such procedures is generally overlooked because of the definite short-term advantages. As a rule, for example, people inoculated against polio do not develop that disease. Using such procedures Tuberculosis has been largely conquered. There are great insidious variables operating, however, and these are caused precisely by the small framework in which such mass epidemics are considered. In the first place, the causes are not biological. Biology is simply the carrier of a deadly intent. In the second place, there is a difference between a virus produced in the laboratory and that inhibiting the body, a difference recognized by the body, but not by your laboratory instruments. Let's pause here. Why was it emphasized the biology of a virus created in a lab and created by the body? Let's talk about Dr. Frances Cress Wilson. In her lecture, she mentioned a book about biological warfare. And she said she didn't have time to read a long book because she was working like long hours. But she just asked to be led and 
the book fell open to the page she needed and it was discussing basically the creation of the AIDS virus. Yes, the creation of the AIDS virus. Think about this. How come we don't talk about AIDS as much as we did in the 80s and 90s? Where has it gone? Anyway, Dr. Welsing talks about the creation of the virus and she also predicted the Ebola virus. She said it. She said they will be coming out with a virus called Ebola. Also, I believe it was another lecturer that said that he was offered a chance to get in on the new disease that was coming out. Because, of course, there would be a related drug. Now, how come Wall Street knows about diseases that the public don't know about? I had the chance to work with people infected with AIDS and HIV, and I would study the information they would put out on how the drugs attacked the disease. Now, it could attack it like at the beginning or at the end or at different stages. And my thought was, why can't the drug just eliminate the virus completely? If it can do all that, if it can do those specific attacks, why not attack the virus as a whole? Many of those people were on several different medications that were extremely costly. And the people that were taking the medications were sick, not from AIDS or HIV, but from that medication. You can tell the difference between the ones that took it and the ones that did not. And also melanated people, I noticed another strange effect. Melanated people's hair texture would change. I also saw this in a friend of mine who was ill. Her hair texture was the same way. It's a fine kind of thin curl. So you have to begin to ask this quote good hair, does it indicate disease in us? Unless, of course, this is our natural hair, because remember, we have all different textures. But what I'm talking about, if you're desiring a hair texture that does not go with your biology, what are you asking for? Is that healthy for melanated people? Disease is a big business, my people. Disease is a big business. And it goes beyond whether you think a certain medicine is good for you or not. Who are the people making these inoculations and medicines, so-called medicines? What is their mental framework? Is it to heal you or is it to make money? Because the truly healing drugs they sell are unaffordable to most of the people. So the healthcare system is also based on hierarchy. Those are some of the things to think about, especially when you start to get in heated arguments with people over what's right and what's wrong, what should people be doing. Do you understand the greater framework instead of taking bits and pieces or sides of an argument. This society emphasizes logic and science and they don't understand science because it's so chopped up. It's devoid of emotion, devoid of connections to society. Scientists don't really think about the impact 
of what they are creating. They're thinking about their grants, their prestige. Remember, we talked about these universities and what they're producing. They are the people that are producing drugs connected to the world, to themselves. Are they spiritual beings or just automatons? And why do you follow automatons? Let's continue. In a way, the body produces antibodies and set up natural immunization as a result of, say, inoculation. But the body's chemistry is also confused for it knows it is reacting to a, a disease that is not a true disease, but a biologically counterfeit intrusion. To that extent, and I do not mean to overstate the case, the body's biological integrity is contaminated. It may at the same time produce antibodies also, for example, to other similar diseases, and so overextend its defenses that the individual later comes down with another disease. Now, no person becomes ill unless that illness serves a psychic or psychological reason. So many people escape such complications. In the meantime, however, scientists and medical men find more and more viruses against which the population, quote, must be inoculated. Each one is considered singularly. There is a rush to develop a new inoculation against the newest virus. Much of this is on a predictive basis, and scientists quote, predict how many people must be, quote, attacked by, say, a virus that has caused a given number of deaths. Then, as a preventative measure, the populace is invited to the new inoculation. Many people who would not get the disease in any case are then religiously inoculated with it. The body is exerted to use its immune system to the utmost and sometimes, according to the inoculation, overextend under such conditions. Those individuals who have psychologically decided upon death will die in any case of that disease or another or of the side effects of the inoculation. Let's think back a couple years ago to like uh, 2019 especially. Think back during this time. Did you have any upper respiratory illness like a cold, a pneumonia, something like that and it was especially bad or it had you in the bed or was kicking your butt for a while. Remember that? You probably did in 2019. Understanding the greater framework, understanding your psychic and your mental abilities, knowing that your body is a sophisticated temple that you carry with you, you will understand how amazing nature is. Imagine that nature already picked up the cues of what was coming and your body taking its cues from nature preempted the disease. Now you may say how will getting pneumonia or a bad cold preempt that? Because your body inoculated itself from what was coming. It already gave you a type of immunity. You needed to slow down and take care of yourself. Think back. If you were to get that ill today, you would be terrified. Your mind would go to the worst case scenario. And you may even be misdiagnosed. Please go to the, I believe it's the CDC site, and look up how many people die of pneumonia or flu 
things like that every year. You will be amazed at the number of deaths. There is an inoculation for the flu, but it's not a part of any controversy. Also keep in mind that once you're injected with the virus, you're now a carrier of that disease. And many people do come down with the actual disease once they get inoculated. You're not being encouraged or discouraged from any inoculation. What is being emphasized is that you learn the nature of diseases and how you are affecting your reality and adding to the mass reality. When you understand your beliefs and your body and mass events on a societal level, you will make much more informed decisions that are not based on fear. You will truly do what's best for you. You will not have to argue with anyone. Let's continue. Inner reality and private experience give birth to all mass events. Man cannot disentangle himself from the natural context of his physical life. His culture, his religion, his psychologies, and his psychological nature together form the context within which both private and mass events occur. This book will then be devoted to the nature of the great sweeping emotional, religious, or biological events that often seem to engulf the individual or to lift him or her willy-nilly in their power. What is the relationship between the individual and the gigantic mass motions of nature, of government, or even of religion? What about mass conversions, mass hysteria, mass healings, mass murder, and the individual? To some degree, epidemics and recognized illnesses serve the sociological purpose of providing an acceptable reason for death, a face-saving device for those who have already decided to die. This does not mean that such individuals make a conscious decision to die, in your terms, but such decisions are often semi-conscious. It might be that those individuals feel they have fulfilled their purposes, but such decisions may also be built upon a different kind of desire for survival than those understood in Darwinian terms. It is not understood that before life an individual decides to live. A self is not simply the accidental personification of the body's biological mechanism. Each person born desires to be born. He dies when that desire no longer operates. No epidemic or illness or natural disaster or stray bullet from a murderer's gun will kill a person who does not want to die. Left alone, the self and the body are so entwined that the separation will be smooth. The body would automatically follow the wishes of the inner self. In the case of suicide, for example, the self is to some extent acting out of the context with the body, which still has its own will to live. Understand your body. Your body is not separate from you. It is not just a thing that carries us around to be treated like you would your car. You may treat your car better, as a matter of fact. We are whole, and we must treat ourselves as whole. We must think about the long-term effects of what we do. Why are there so many kids with ADHD and 
things like that? Are those the effects of something we did a generation before? Make study of yourself. Discipline yourself and you'll know what your body needs. You will stop behaving like a sheep being led to the latest fad or to side with people devoid of humanity who really could care less if you lived or died. You are just a cash cow. We're going to do something a little different this session. We're going to take a little break, give you time to absorb the first part of the message, and we'll finish with the natural body from the individual and nature of mass events. If you're really serious about your spiritual journey, really take time to get the books I'm presenting and read the words for yourself or listen to the message more than once if you are more of a person who absorbed by listening. Start to go with your own natural impulses. That is the whole point to turn back on your natural intuition and do what's best for you. To a certain extent, epidemics are the result of a mass suicide phenomenon on the parts of those involved. Biological, sociological, or even economic factors may be involved and that for a variety of reasons and at different levels Whole groups of individuals want to die at any given time, but in such a way that their individual deaths amounts to a mass statement. On one level, the deaths are protests against the time in which they occur. Those involved have private reasons, however. The reasons, of course, vary from one individual to another, yet all involved want their deaths to serve a purpose beyond private concerns. Partially then, such deaths are meant to make the survivors question the conditions, for unconsciously the species well knows there are reasons for such mass deaths that go beyond accepted beliefs. In some historical periods, the plight of the poor was so horrible, so unendurable, that outbreaks of the plague occurred, literally resulting in a complete destruction of large areas of the environment in which such social, political, and economic conditions existed. Those plagues took rich and poor alike, however, so the complacent well-to-do could see quite clearly, for example, that to some extent, sanitary conditions, privacy, peace of mind had to be granted to the poor alike, for the results of their satisfaction would have quite practical results. Those were deaths of protests. Individually, each victim was to one extent or another a victim of apathy, despair, or hopelessness, which automatically lowered bodily defenses. Individually, each, quote, victim was to one extent or another a victim of apathy, despair, or hopelessness, 
which automatically lowered bodily defenses. Not only do such states of mind lower the defenses, however, but they activate and change the body's chemistries, alter its balances, and initiate disease conditions. Many viruses inherently capable of causing death in normal conditions contribute to the overall health of the body, existing side by side as it were with other viruses, each contributing quite necessary activities that maintain body equilibrium. Let's talk about antibacterial soaps and other antibacterial products. Remember, companies don't care about you on an individual basis. Their bottom line is profit. When you use antibacterial products, you have to understand that all bacteria are targeted. There is no discrimination between healthy and diseased. So you're essentially wiping out healthy bacteria. Soap and water cleans your hands just as effectively or better than antibacterial products. Will you need those products sometimes? Sure. But the way they're used now, it is pure abuse. I see parents whipping it out and using it on their children for anything. What they're doing is sterilizing the child, making them more vulnerable to disease because you're killing the healthy bacteria as well. Are you making your environment too sterile? Your body is not stupid. It can detect things that are harmful to you, but if you wipe out the things that make that detection, you have now weakened yourself. How many parents allow their children to go outside and play in the dirt now? Ooh, that's dirty. How often do you see children getting sick or are weak in any way, mentally, physically, socially? How much air and sunshine are children getting? Parents even. Are you making things too sterile that nothing can live and grow. Being clean is one thing. Sterility is for the operating room. If certain viruses are triggered, however, to a higher activity or overproduction by mental states, they then become, quote, deadly. Physically, they may be passed on in whatever manner is peculiar to a specific strain. Literally, individual mental problems of sufficient severity emerge as social mass diseases. The environment in which an outbreak occurs points at the political, sociological, and economic conditions that have evolved, causing such disorder. Often such outbreaks take place after ineffective political or social action that is, after some unified mass social protest has failed or is considered hopeless, they often occur also in wartime on the part of a populace that is against a given war in which its country is involved. Initially, there is a psychic contagion. Despair moves faster than a mosquito or an outward carrier of a given disease. The mental state brings about the activation of a virus that is, in those terms, passive. What is being said here is that something that is passive become active depending on the state of the individual and of the masses. We are a unit. We cannot separate the spiritual, the mental, and the physical. As much as this social system tries to. So could it be that 
all the unrest we see, all the devastating floods and other natural disasters, because on a psychic level, people are tired. People are tired of asking for equality, reparations, safe homes, a stable income, security, safety, etc. The imbalance of this world is being demonstrated outwardly under the flag of climate change. Back to Germany, one of their leaders said uh, when the floods happened, we need more time. Time for what? Time to do what? See, many of these people who are in leadership positions thought they would be long gone before all the effects of their actions happen. But now it's happening right before their eyes. And they're calling it climate change. But there's more to the climate than just weather. Melanated people have to understand that they are a part of nature, whether they are connected to it or not. Being disconnected results in disconnected or chaotic weather patterns. When our nations were destroyed, when the people, the indigenous people, were removed from their homelands, certain events were set in motion. The people that did these things, the barbarians that did these things, were not connected to the planet. So they did not realize that certain rituals needed to be done, that there were certain sacred strongholds or spots of power that needed to be maintained which is not done today. Some churches have been set over uh, some of the sacred sites, but the sacred rituals, rites, are not done. What do you do for the planet? Have you fallen for the civilized barbarities definition of making it, meaning you don't even get your feet dirty or put your feet in the sand, the earth, get your hands in the soil because that's considered low class? Have you been brainwashed away from connecting to nature, therefore set apart from your natural impulses? Despair may seem passive only because it feels that exterior action is hopeless but it fires rage inwardly, and that kind of contagion can leap from bed to bed and from heart to heart, can leap from bed to bed and from heart to heart. It touches those, however, who are in the same state only, and to some extent, it bring about an acceleration in which something can indeed be done in terms of group action. Now, if you believe in one life only, then such conditions will seem most disastrous, and in your terms, they clearly are not pretty. Yet, though each victim in an epidemic may die his or her own death, that death becomes part of a mass social protest. The lives of intimate survivors are shaken, and according to the extent of the epidemic, the various elements of social life itself are disturbed, altered, rearranged. Sometimes such epidemics are eventually responsible for the overthrow of governments, the loss of wars. There are also even deeper biological connections with the heart of nature. You are biological creatures. Your proud human consciousness rests on the vast, unconscious integrity of your physical being. In that regard, your consciousness is as natural as your toe. In terms of species integrity, your mental states are then highly important. Despair or apathy is a biological, quote, enemy, 
social conditions, political states, economic policies, and even religious or philosophical frameworks that foster such mental states bring about a biological retaliation. They act like fire applied to a plant. The epidemics then serve many purposes, warning that certain conditions will not be tolerated. There is a biological outrage that will be continually expressed until the conditions are changed. So it does not matter if a disease or virus was created in a laboratory or not. There is only so much that nature will take and then it will take matters into its own hands. Mankind does not know what it does, but our Most High take what is done and uses it. Everything is used. These companies may believe that they are brilliant and ahead of the game, but they are merely puppets to the larger plan. They may think that they have ideas which from their point of view comes from them but they too are being manipulated but they are too cocky to realize this and if they do they don't care why because they believe they will get something out of it today many are not concerned about the afterlife because they think either there is no afterlife or a hell awaits them that's why people in society wreak so much havoc. Even in the days of the great plagues in England, there were those smitten who did not die, and there were those untouched by the disease who dealt with the sick and dying. Those survivors who were actively involved saw themselves in a completely different light than those who succumbed, however. They were those untouched by despair who saw themselves as effective rather than ineffective. Often they roused themselves from lives of previously unheroic situations and then performed with great bravery. The horror of the conditions overwhelmed them where earlier they were not involved. The sight of the dying gave them visions of the meaning of life and stirred new ideas of sociological, political, and spiritual natures so that in your terms, the dead did not die in vain. Epidemics by their public nature speak of public problems, problems that sociologically threaten to sweep the individual to psychic disaster as the physical materialization does biologically. There are reasons also for the range or the limits of various epidemics why they sweep through one area and leave another clear, why one in the family will die and another survive. For in this mass venture, the individual still forms his or her private reality. Since 2020, initially melanated people were saying, we won't get this new virus. And many were adamant, but then there was the backlash, the, the programming that said, oh, yes, you do. As a matter of fact, you get hit worse. The problem that melanated people face is more than just getting a disease or a virus. It's the quality of the care we receive. From my observation, the people that are melanated that have succumbed to the latest virus had underlying health conditions. And there was another factor. The people that died went to the hospital. Consider that. The people that I know personally that recovered stayed at home. I'm not encouraging you one way or the other. But just consider the type of health care that melanated people get and how they are often not treated because 
of the biases and prejudices of the medical staff. A relative that died about a year back who had health problems was actually recuperating, but he also already had asthma, upper respiratory issues, and he asked to be put on a breathing machine and was refused until he was too weak. And by the time they put him on the uh, machine, it was too late. But of course, the death certificate will say that he died of the recent virus when that is not true. So you have to look at all the factors and variables before you jump into anything, especially political discussions. How are you mentally? What are your thoughts? Are you always in a state of despair, fear, hopelessness? And on top of that, you're watching news and not just regular TV, commercials. Commercials which are always telling you you're sick. In your society, scientific medical beliefs operate in a kind of preventative medicine mentioned earlier in which procedures of inoculation are taken, bringing about in healthy individuals a minute disease condition that gives them immunity against a more massive visitation. In the case of any given disease, this procedure might work well for those who believe in it. It is, however, the belief and not the procedure that works. I am not recommending that you abandon the procedure when it obviously works for so many, yet you should understand why it brings about the desired results. Such medical technology is highly specific, however. You cannot be inoculated with the desire to live or with the zest, delight, or contentment of the healthy animal. If you have decided to die, protected from one disease in such a manner, you will promptly come down with another or have an accident. The immunization, while specifically effective, may only reinforce prior beliefs about the body's ineffectiveness. It may appear that left alone, the body will surely develop whatever disease might be fashionable at the time, so that the specific victory might result in the ultimate defeat as far as your beliefs are concerned. You have your own medical systems, however. I do not mean to undermine them, since they are undermining themselves. Some of my statements clearly cannot be proven in your terms and appear almost sacrilegious. Yet throughout your history, no man or no woman has died who did not want to die regardless of the state of medical technology. Specific diseases have certain symbolic meanings, varying with the times and the places. There has been great discussion in past years about the survival of the fittest in Darwinian terms, but little emphasis is placed upon the quality of life or of survival itself or in human terms. There has been little probing into the question of what makes life worthwhile. Quite simply, if life is not worthwhile, no species will have a reason to continue. Civilizations are literally social species. They die when they see no reason to live, yet they seed other civilizations. Your private mental states in mass bring about the mass cultural stance of your civilization. To some extent, then, the survival of your civilization is quite literally dependent upon the condition of each individual, and that condition is initially a spiritual, psychic state that gives birth to the physical organism. That organism is intimately connected to the natural biological state of each other person and to each other living thing or entity, however minute. Despite all realistic, pragmatic tales to the contrary, the natural state of life is one of joy, acquiescence with itself, a state in which action is effective and the power to act is a natural right. You will see this quite clearly with plants 
animals and all life if you were not so blinded by beliefs to the contrary. You would feel it in the activities of your body and wish the vital individual affirmation of your cells bring about the mass immensely complicated achievement of your physical being. That activity naturally promotes health and vitality. I am not speaking of some romanticized, passive, floppy spiritual world, but of a clear reality without impediments in which the opposite of despair and apathy reigns. No species competes with another, but cooperates to form an environment in which all kinds can creatively exist. Again, this society is based on survival of the fittest, war against nature, war against self, hatred of sexuality, and hatred itself. But in nature, there's no competition. There's cooperation. That's the natural order of things that melanated folks need to get back to. You live in a physical community, but you live first of all in a community of thoughts and feelings. These trigger your physical actions. They directly affect the behavior of your body. To sum up this session, we live in a society which objectifies, compartmentalizes, separates. How can we become whole again? Use our entire brain, integrate the left and right hemispheres, begin to trust our senses and impulses again. Learn to trust and listen to nature again. With these questions, we are whole and